Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to our podcast. My name is Daniel. My wife, Megan, and I are the location pastors here at Destiny Church, Nuremberg Region. We know that today's message will bless and encourage you because the Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. If you want to connect in with us, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media, or visit our website at destinychurch.de. Let's get into the Word. Can I preach today? Is that okay? Come on. Well, if we haven't met, my name is Daniel. I'm the location pastor here along with my wife, and we're so glad that you're joining with us, whether you're online. Can we just give it up for everybody watching online today? We're so glad you're joining with us. I know you. I see you online. You're checking it out. You haven't even been to service yet, but you're like, I want to see if they're crazy. I want to see what that is all about. So I'm going to check it out online before I come into the service. They're smart, aren't they? They're doing it right. Um, And maybe some of you are on holiday. Maybe some of you are in your pajamas. Maybe some of you are eating breakfast right now. Um, But we're so glad that you're joining with us. And we're we're glad, man, God is doing so much, and we're excited. Um, This is just a a praise report really quickly before I preach. I know I said I was going to preach, and then I just keep going, but this is just a praise report to tell you what God has been doing. Listen, it's not about um, church service. It's not about numbers. Um, It's not about how many people can sit in these seats. And we've always said we want to be a church that makes a big impact. Um, We don't, we don't, that doesn't, that means... We, we, may, we might be a small church making a big impact, you know, um, but we want to make a big impact. And whatever that looks like um, in our community, if that's a lot of people, it doesn't have to be. Um, and that's not the goal. But I just want to say amongst having two services for the past month, we're, we've been over 100 people attending services um, every week for the past month. And that's something new in our community. Every now and then we've seen that. Um, but it, that's so cool that people are coming to gather to worship. There's power when you come, whether you're online, whether you're in the room, when people gather to worship. There's something different than when you're just in your room turning on worship music or praying. There's power in coming in community and we're in this series i encourage you to get here get here for this series get here for community get here for worship because god is doing something and i don't know about you i want to be a part of what god's doing if god is doing i want to be a part of it so make a way to get here find a buddy and uh and carpool with them you know if you need transportation ride the trains together get here join in online if you're off in the swiss alps skiing wherever you're at listen we want you to be here to catch what god is doing we've been in a series called fruitful fruitful everybody say fruitful let me just build you in to this series because this is very important, I believe, and God is giving revelation uh, to, to this, and I believe it's something for all of us to catch, and there's something deep in this um, that really uh, God has been just revealing as we unpack and unfold this. First, we talked about is your purpose is to produce. We read in Genesis 1, God created man, and he said, be fruitful and multiply if you want to know the purpose of something then you just go back to its origin story and what and the creator of that thing will tell you what its purpose is well we go back into the our origin story back to genesis chapter one and we read one of the first things god says to mankind after he creates them is be fruitful and multiply 
take dominion over the earth. So we know that our purpose is to produce, and we see the theme. If you, if you watch for it now when you read Scripture, you will see the theme throughout Scripture, and I'm going to show you something today. But we even see all the way, fast forward to the New Testament in Matthew 28. He's, uh, Jesus, one of the last things he says to his disciples is, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's saying the same thing, be fruitful and multiply. He's saying it in a different way. The purpose hasn't changed. He wants, God's desire for us is to produce Jesus' people in the earth so that he gets the glory. The more Jesus people, the more disciples, the more Christ followers there are, the more glory God gets. It's his glory filling the earth. That's his goal. That's, and that should be our goal. That's our purpose is to produce. But then last week we discovered that the, the purpose of being fruitful, that's, what, that's our role in it, is to be fruitful. Bear fruit. Bear fruit. Be fruitful. Multiply. But the purpose of bearing fruit isn't fruit in itself. It's not just to look like good Christians. With nice fruit on our trees. Hey, look at my fruit. And I know we like to post our stuff on social media. And we like to look like good Christians. And if you've been in church for a while, you've learned maybe how to be a professional Christian. And you've learned how to say all the right things to look good. And you've learned how to say uh, all the right, you, you know all the Bible verses. You know Jeremiah 29, 11. For God knows the plans he has for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. But it's, that is not the purpose. The seed inside of that fruit is the purpose. Because the seed inside of that fruit is Christ. We learn that all fruit has seeds. The purpose of fruit is to bear seeds. We learned last week that there's some things that I used to think were vegetables that are really fruit because they bear seeds. Squash are fruit because they have seeds inside. And a seed is a multiplication mechanism. And, the, and, and what Jesus, I believe, is telling us is, is our life is to bear fruit so that that fruit can carry the seed of Christ into the earth and so that it can be multiplied in other people's lives. We said a life intimately connected to Jesus produces fruit that carries Jesus into the lives of others. That was the bottom line last week. Let me say it one more time because we're building on this foundation. A life intimately connected to Jesus produces fruit that carries Jesus into the lives of others. But here's where we're going to land today. If God's purpose is for us to bear fruit so that Jesus can be multiplied, so that the seed of Christ I need you, listen guys, you got to be so, you got to be in tune today because we're going to go somewhere and I hope we can catch it. I just might be one of those guys that don't catch things easily. So it took me a while to figure this out. It took me a while to catch this as I read. So we're going to go there today. But God's purpose, if his purpose is, is to get Christ into the earth through his people now, then can I tell you the devil, who there is a real devil, there is an enemy, there is, a, there is an opposition to the kingdom of God, the devil, Satan, the enemy, whatever you call him, if God's purpose is to get the seed into the earth, then the devil's purpose is to kill the seed. And what we're going to talk about today is the enemy of fruitfulness. The enemy of fruitfulness. Can you, one last time before we close today, can you stand to your feet? We're going to read God's word today. We've been doing this. We want to honor God's word as we read. Stand to your feet. I won't ask you to do this until we close. But I want to read to you Genesis chapter 3. 
Genesis chapter 1, God creates mankind, be fruitful and multiply. We see in Genesis chapter 3 where it all goes sour, where it all goes wrong. Mankind falls because they eat from the fruit of the tree of life. It says this in verse 1, chapter 3. Now, the serpent, who was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they, were, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to them, Where are you? Verse 10, and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? I don't know about you, but I think I know when I'm naked. They had no idea that it was shameful until they ate of the tree of life. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who, whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent delivered me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above the livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Verse 15, I want to, this is the ESV version. I want to read this in the NASB version. And, it's, and, and verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. You shall bruise, you, uh, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. The enemy of fruitfulness God, today, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that you would cause us to be people who bear fruit, to carry you into the earth and into the lives of others. Help us be a church that you bring revival and fruitfulness and your glory through our lives, that we would be conduits for what you want to do in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The enemy of fruitfulness. The devil is in direct opposition to God's plan. The devil is in direct opposition to God's plan. 
and we read again, we come back to God's plan. Let me just highlight this because I need to show you this so that we can capture the full breadth and picture of, I believe, what we see as this huge theme in Scripture. Genesis 1, to mankind as he created them, be fruitful and multiply. Immediately, two chapters later in Genesis 3, what, and, and so God is telling them, be fruitful and multiply. He's talking to them about having kids. This is before sin entered the earth. This was the idea of being fruitful and multiplying because it was, it was perfect creation, multiplying before death, before sin. And now, we, as we multiply, it's not just that. We have to be believers. It has to be believers multiplying. Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply. And then... And after they sinned and fell short, and after their sin entered the earth, then God raises up a new generation. He floods the earth. Noah comes, and then Abraham comes. And he says to Abraham, you know what he says to Abraham? Bless you. Be fruitful and multiply. So now through Abraham, he wants to bring about his plan and his glory. He says to Abraham, who's now old and hasn't bared any children yet, he says, you're going to have kids. You're going to be fruitful and multiply. Abraham says, I don't know what you're talking about. We, we don't even have any kids yet. How can we be fruitful and multiply? And then through Abraham, God brings about children. It's a miracle. And then he has a son named Isaac. And then Isaac has a son named Jacob. And Jacob's new name would be called Israel. Israel is now a nation that is God's chosen people. Are you following me? Jacob, also known as Israel, then becomes a nation from his offspring and become and is God's chosen people. Israel, Jacob himself, and Israel, the nation, is now God's mechanism to bring Christ into the earth in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, you can find Christ in all of it. Israel, God's chosen people, and, he, and, and God sets them apart. He says to be circumcised. You are different than everybody else. I'm going to give you the law. I'm going to give you... I'm gonna give you um, different rules and regulations to follow not because i'm a, re a religious god and you have to follow all these rules but because you're a people set apart and you're a people set apart to bring about my purposes into the earth and then israel becomes um subject to slavery in egypt and god uses moses to bring my people out let my people go pharaoh pharaoh oh baby let my people go. you know what i'm talking about right I'm not the worship team. Let's not start. And he's bringing God's chosen people into the earth. But the devil's plan is in direct opposition to God's plan. Genesis 3, as soon as God tells him to be fruitful and multiply, he comes with lies and deception so that they would feel shame, so that they would feel understand that they are naked and they would no longer have intimacy with themselves and they would no longer have intimacy with God. He was separating them because he knew the principle that we talked about last week. It's intimacy with him that causes us to be fruitful. And the devil knows if I can just stop my people, or God's people from being fruitful, then the plans of God cannot prosper. And he says, and then in Egypt, when Israel, was in Egypt they were being fruitful and they were multiplying it says one of the pharaohs that came into uh, into being in or in leadership in Egypt he said look the Israelites are being 
fruitful. They're multiplying. Pretty soon they're going to become more than us. We should oppress them and put them into slavery. And so he oppresses them, puts them into slavery. And now the Israelites are in slavery working for the Egyptians. And then we read later the, that Moses comes as a, as a messenger from God to free them. And then, we, and, and then Pharaoh realizes, knows that there's, a, that there's one coming, that they're multiplying. And so what does Pharaoh do? He puts a decree out in the land to kill every boy born Israel, from Israel. Every boy born. And then if you remember this story when you grew up, you remember that Moses was put into a basket and put down the Nile River. And then Pharaoh's daughter finds him and raises him right in the house of Pharaoh. Oh, devil, you didn't know that the seed of Christ was in your house. And Pharaoh, Pharaoh was trying to kill off the babies. And just like it, we read, when Jesus was being born into the earth, Herod, King Herod, put a decree out because they, there was prophecies that there would become a coming king. And Herod said, no, 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 I'm the king. I'm the king. And he says, listen, kill every firstborn boy. This is the New Testament now. When Jesus is being born, kill every firstborn boy. That's why Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus had to flee to another place so that they could hide out for a while before it was all settled and then they could go back in to Israel. Listen, there, uh, there's opposition. The devil is always trying to kill the seed of Christ in the earth. Are you following me? He tries to kill Jesus when he's a baby. And then he tries to kill him on the cross. And the devil rejoices and says, we did it. We finally killed the seed. And then three days later, Jesus resurrects from the dead and says, uh-uh, devil. I have defeated death and hell. I am the risen king. And now, guess what? Now that Jesus has resurrected from the dead, he says, I'm sending one greater than me. He sends the Holy Spirit. And now the seed of Christ isn't just one man, Jesus, walking the earth for 33 years. It's everyone who believes in him. He place this Holy Spirit and the seed of Christ in him. Oh, and the devil messed up killing Jesus. Because everybody knows that a seed's got to die before it grows. Are you seeing the revelation in the fruit and the seed? And now he wants to cause you to be unfruitful. Because he knows what you carry as a believer. And if you haven't yet made that decision to follow Christ, today is the day. You can make that decision to come into a loving relationship, not religion, but a loving relationship with him and let your life be fruitful, not for mankind, not for you, but for the kingdom of God and see what he does through your life. But word of warning, when you do give your life to Christ, you're in opposition to the enemy. You're in a battle now because Satan has strategies. Let's talk about some of Satan's strategies today. And then we're going to close because I realize we're just running out of time. Because I'm fired up. And I need to articulate this so that we can understand. He's, Satan has strategies. Like the snake he has in the garden. Strategies. Woo. Number one. Are you ready? If you're taking notes and you're studious. I'll say it like this, compromise, compromise. He wants you to compromise your belief. 
He wants you to compromise. If, listen, he doesn't, he doesn't care if you go to church, if your life is compromised. The devil is not worried about your church attendance if your life is compromised. If you're, if you're living with other idols and worshiping other idols in your life. If, and I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about you built some golden statue in your house and you go home and you worship that. But when, when everyone else's opinion becomes more important than God's opinion about your life, you're worshiping other people's opinion. They've become an idol in your life. When all you do, you're consumed with social media and you're constantly, it's an idol in your life. God, help us. We've got so many idols in our life. We've got so many out. He just wants us to compromise our belief. Genesis 3, 4, but the serpent said to the woman, you surely won't die. You surely won't. Come on. It's just a little bit, right? It's just a little bit. If I could just get you to compromise, then I know you're going to stop bearing fruit because you've compromised. He wants to distract you from your purpose. He wants to distract you from what God has called you to do. If he, could just, if he could just get you distracted by what's going on at work, if he can just get you distracted by what's going on in your marriage, or if he could just get you distracted by the problems that your family's having back home where you come from, if he could just get you distracted by being busy and being distracted by success, then he's got you compromised. He's got you compromised, and you begin to stop bearing fruit. You see, the devil never created anything. He only perverts what God created. You see, the devil didn't create the tree in which he, which became the vessel, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which became the vessel for Adam and Eve to sin. He just perverted what God's purpose of it was. God, God creates mankind. God creates marriage. God creates our purpose. God creates our calling. God creates our emotions and our feelings. The enemy just wants to come in and pervert it so that you're not fruitful. Can I, can I preach? Okay, because, because I, I can't tell by your faces. Listen, trees rot over time, not overnight. Trees rot over time. Not overnight. Number two, Satan's strategies. Are you ready for number two? Division. That one was harder. Division. If I'm not careful, I'll cuss and don't know it. Division. Did you notice that when Satan came and tempted Adam and Eve, he tempted woman first, but Adam wasn't there? They weren't together. They were divided. There's so much division in our world today. And nonetheless, there's division in the church. Oh, man, if he can divide the church, if he can divide the body of Christ, he knows. He knows. Unfruitfulness. If I could just get one denomination to believe that the other denomination doesn't know God and they're completely wrong and I can just get them to not collaborate and I can just get them to not talk and if I can create division in the body of Christ 
oh, if I could just get one person volunteering on the team to disagree with another person volunteering on the team, and I can, and I can salt it and pepper it with some unforgiveness and some hatred and some bitterness, and then that root begins to grow, then I can cause the people to become unfruitful. He has a strategy of division. The enemy wants to divide and conquer. He wants to frustrate you over the things that don't matter. If you really zoomed out in some of the stuff that we argue about in our culture and in the church, come on. Get over it. Understand each other. I may agree to disagree with you, but we're going to not be divisive. We're not going to be in division. We're going to come in unity because we know God blesses unity, and, and unity causes fruit to be um, born. L listen, we're going to be a unified body of Christ. And, and, and people just start fighting over the fruit instead of bearing it. They just fight over it. Oh, look at what they did. Look what they did. Look at what they're doing. Man, I get, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to go, I'm going to step up on my soapbox for a second. And I'm just going to rant about all these people, all these successful churches in the world that are like growing in there and people are getting saved and there's people are being baptized. And then people sit there on their YouTube channels and point their finger at what they're doing wrong. Look at the fruit. It may just not look like the fruit that God has called you to bear. Stop fighting over the fruit because when you fight over the fruit, you're not going to bear it. And he begins to sow unforgiveness that leads to bitterness, that leads to hatred. And he just begins to divide and divide and divide. And we become angry at God and we become angry at people. And we bear unforgiveness in our heart. And when you bear unforgiveness at our, in your heart, you're not doing anything wrong to the person you've borne unforgiveness towards. You've, you're holding yourself back. You're holding yourself prisoner with unforgiveness. Division, number three, we got to go. Pride. There's no S in that one. Pride. The pride of life. He says to Adam and Eve, he says, for you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He tempts Jesus himself, saying, listen, why don't you just have everyone worship you? Everyone will worship you. I will place you upon this mountain and everyone, you will be worshipped. He, he tries to sow the pride of life. He tries to sow pride into our life. James 4, 6 says, Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace, grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. It was the fig leaves that Adam and Eve put on because they felt shame and they didn't know they were naked and they realized that, that, that they were vulnerable and then they covered themselves with pride. They covered themselves with pride. And we become prideful, and we, when we become prideful like Adam and Eve, knowing good and evil like God, we become our own God. You begin to become your own boss, your own Lord of your life. You become your God, and you say, whatever I feel is right. Come on, have you ever heard that? I just felt like it. <laughs> it, it how do you know that was the right thing to do? I just, I just felt like it. It's, 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 what I, it's what I feel. It's what I, it's what I feel. And we all have feelings, and God gave us feelings, and I'm telling you, the enemy wants to pervert your feelings. But if you follow your feelings, they will lead you to hell. It's so quiet in here. I hope it's not that quiet online. 
Everybody in here is wishing they were online. <laughs> Man, I, 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 it can be convicting, but listen to me. If you follow your feelings, they will lead you to hell because God calls us to the narrow path, and it won't always be what I feel like doing. Do you think I feel like coming here every morning when I stayed up late the night before? Do you think I feel like that? Do you think you felt like coming here this morning when your kids got crazy and you slept in? You're like, oh man, I've missed my alarm. Do you, do you think Jesus felt like going to the cross? If you follow your feelings, they'll lead you to hell. Number four. Persecution. There's an F. Persecution. As we said in Exodus chapter 1, it says the Israelites in Egypt, again, God's chosen people in the Old Testament, Israelites in Egypt, and he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. But the, watch, watch, but the more they, they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. And the more they spread abroad, and the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. The more Israelite was oppressed, the more they multiplied. The more they were pressed down and pressured and enslaved, the more they multiplied. It was, it's the enemy's strategy. If he can just say, I'm going to put my pressure on them so that they'll give up. If he can just get, get you to give up your calling, this is too hard. If he could just get you to stop moving forward, then he, then he knows. Listen, I just put a little pressure on them. I'll put some pressure on Job. Go read the book of Job. I'll just put some pressure on Job. And that's pressure. <laughs> I'll just put some pressure on them at work. If they just get so stressed out, I know they'll give up their calling. I know they'll give up being fruitful. They'll stop focusing on what really matters, and they'll start focusing on getting out of their trial and out of their struggle, and they'll stop focusing on me. Talk to Peter when he was in a struggle and stepped out of the boat, and he looked away from Jesus, and he began to sink. If I could just get them to look away from Jesus, then I know they'll stop bearing fruit. Persecution can often be a sign of God's promise on your life. Jesus himself says in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You're going to have struggles. The enemy would try to attack your kids, cause trials at work, cause pressure in your living situation, cause pressure in the move. It'll cause you to want to give up, cause you to stress, cause you to result to trying to numb the pain. He wants to put pressure on you. If where you are, there's no battle, then you're heading in the wrong direction. If where you're at, there's no struggle in the spirit, you're heading in the wrong direction. Our purpose is to bear fruit, and the enemy will oppose it. Number five, worship team, you can come. It'll make me go faster, I promise. Number five, shame. Shame. 
Oh, this one spoke so loudly to me because you see it right there as a direct result of what happens in Genesis chapter 3. They were, they were naked and they knew no shame. And then when they ate of the fruit, they realized that they were naked and they hid themselves. They hid themselves from God. And if you remember last week, and if you didn't see last week, go back and watch. Last week, it's the intimacy with God that causes us to bear fruit. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Outside of me, you can do nothing. So the enemy knows that if he can sow shame into your life, it, it, may, it, may, not be, it may not be the shame of like some crazy event in your life it could just be the shame listen he, he'll even show he knows you he knows the shame that he can put on you the enemy's strategies aren't any different today he's not he's not that smart listen he knows if he can just put shame on you because you missed a sunday or because come on i'm just hopefully i'm speaking to somebody today if you missed reading uh, your bible that day and just put some shame on you then he knows he can separate you from god if he puts shame on you because of the mistake that you made years ago and that shame continues to rise up he knows he can separate you from God he knows he can separate you from man he knows that you become you come to this place of hiding and hiding because of shame he wants to sh separate you that's exactly what shame does it separates you from the intimacy with God shame is in direct opposition of fruitfulness Because shame causes us to hide. And it's in intimacy that we bear fruit. You'll hide from the people that you love. I'm not talking about going into a closet and playing hide and seek. I'm talking about you'll stop being so vulnerable with the person you should be vulnerable with. Because you're hiding. You're hiding from the people you love. You'll, you'll begin to put up a wall. You'll begin to hide from God, and your relationship will become more distant. You'll hide from your calling. That's not really, there's no way I could be called to that because of what I've done. Some, somebody listening right now, God has spoken a calling to your life. It was so clear. Maybe, God, maybe somebody long ago gave you a prophetic word, and the shame upon your life, you've actually forgotten it, and you've dismissed it, and you've put it on the back burner, and you're not listening to it because of the shame and the things that you've done, but God wants to call it out of you. God wants to bring it out and remind you like he did with Gideon. Stop hiding. Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. Who, me? Yes, you're a mighty warrior. No, not me. You're a mighty warrior. And he wants to speak that calling afresh to you and remind you of the prophetic word and the prayer that was spoken over to you those many years ago. He wants to dust it off and he wants to bring you out that say the same thing that he said to Adam and Eve. Where are you? I've got things to do. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you should have seen what I've done. I don't care. In fact, I can't see it. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. You're the only one looking at it. I'm not. That's what God's saying to you. Come on. Dust it off. Stop hiding from your identity and who God said you were. The enemy is in direct opposition to the seed. 
He's in direct opposition to fruitfulness. I realized this, listen, I realized this in a physical way. When my first son was born, I'm going to close with a story. My first son was born or was about to be born, and I was doing all the preparations a dad of a firstborn child would do because you see in the movies they, they come fast and you got to have a bag and you got to rush. We were ready. And it was time to make our way to the hospital for my first son, Ezra, to be born. And I go into the garage, open up the garage door to get ready, pack up the car to go to the hospital. And right there at the seal of the garage, I would have ran over it if I backed it up, was a snake. I'm from the U.S., South Alabama. You see snakes every now and then. But I took a picture of that thing after I took a shovel and took its head off. That's what you do. If you live in a if you live in an urban area, if you live out in the woods, you shoot it. That's just that's what people do. That's what I hear anyway. But I took a picture of that dead snake. I still got it somewhere on my phone. I should have showed it to you. But some of you guys are creeped out snakes because of what God said in Genesis. That's why. Especially ladies are freaked out at snakes. Some guys are like, that's me too. But I'm just saying, he's going to put enmity between you and your seed. It's, it's biblical for you to be afraid of snakes. I have a picture of that because God spoke to me right then in the hustle and bustle of trying to go to the hospital. He said, he said the enemy's after your seed. The enemy's after your seed. The enemy doesn't want you to multiply. And Ezra was born. And then three weeks later, we go to a summer camp. We were youth pastors, went to a summer camp. We were there for two weeks. We come back home. Megan noticed blood in Ezra's stool. Thought maybe it was a rash or something. Took him to the doctor. The doctor said, oh, no, he's fine. And Megan said, no, 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 no. I just feel something in my spirit. Check this again. Checked his blood levels, his platelets. Took blood. Noticed that his platelets were really low. They took him to the hospital. We spent three weeks in the hospital because they noticed that he had a virus called CMV that can make kids at a certain age, depending on when they have it, if they contracted it in the womb, go deaf, go blind. And so we're sitting in the hospital with our son, not knowing what's going on. They can't even deliver flowers to our room because of the pollen. We're like, what is going on? What is going on? And I, and I just remember... The enemy's after my seed. It's like Luca in the hospital not too long ago. And I realized in those moments, I need, to, I need to go to war. I was actually scheduled to preach on a Sunday. I was a youth pastor. I didn't get many chances to preach on a Sunday. I was scheduled to preach on a Sunday those three weeks that we were in the hospital. We're like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I should go. I'm going to stay here in the hospital with you. And then Megan and I held hands. We made a decision, no. I'm going to go punch the devil in the face. I'm going to go punch the devil in the face. I left Megan there in the hospital. And Ezra, I know that you're like, what kind of dad are you? And I went and, I went and kicked the devil in the mouth. I said, no, 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 you're not going to have my kid. You're not going to stop the calling. You're not going to crush the seed. We are in a battle, and he's after the seed. He's after the fruit in your life. He doesn't want you to be fruitful. Can you stand to your feet with me? Today, maybe you 
felt like you've been separated from God, you've been distracted, pride's gotten in the way, you've become, you've become your own God, you've become your own Lord, you've forgotten God, maybe you've put idols up in your life, today maybe you're harboring bitterness that's separating you, unforgiveness in your heart, maybe you've been living in shame, shame is separating you. Today you can choose to step into a relationship with him despite all the factors in the way. Come back to abiding in the vine. Come back to abiding in him. Step back into loving relationship with him. Not religiosity, but love. He's saying today, like he said to Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you? Can you close your eyes with me? If you're in here today and any of those things apply, you feel distracted, prideful, harboring bitterness, dealing with shame, can you just lift a hand in the air and say, that's to me, I just want to pray for you. I want to, I want to pray for those that watch it online as well. Yeah, yeah. I want to come back to him. Father, right now, we just thank you. We just thank you that you want to be in relationship with us. You want to love us. You want us to love you without barriers. And when we hide, it breaks your heart. When we're hiding, it breaks your heart. When we run away, it breaks your heart. You're a loving, heavenly Father who wants us close. We are dear to your heart. Friends, you are the apple of his eye. You are in his every thought. You are his desire to be in a relationship and to show and reveal to you the love that he has. Oh, he just wants to unpack it before you if you would let him. I pray today, shame be gone in Jesus' name. No shame. There, the Bible says there's no shame or condemnation in Christ Jesus. Shame be gone and removed in Jesus' name. God, we forgive them. We forgive that person. We release them. They don't owe us anything. We release them. Help us be focused on your kingdom today, Jesus. Help us be focused. Lastly, if you're in here today and you've never said yes to a, a relationship with Jesus, you've never... You've never said yes to him being the Lord of your life. And you want to make that decision. Greatest decision you'll ever make today. You're watching online. We'll have a QR code that pops up. But if you're in here, I just want to pray with you. Nobody's going to call you out. Just lift a hand and say, that's me. I just want to pray. I'm not going to call anybody out. Say, that's me. I want to, want to step into that relationship today. Father, I thank you for everybody making a decision today to follow you. Jesus, you are the Lord of our life. I acknowledge you. I want an intimate relationship with you today. Help us to bear fruit. Everybody in the room, can we, maybe this is new to you. Can you just lift your hands, both hands with me like this? This may be so foreign and new to some of you, but just, just a symbol, nothing special other than this is a symbol of God. I want more of you. We're just going to worship one last time today as we close out. So let this be a moment where God speaks to you. We're going to have people up here for prayer. If you want prayer, we're here. We'd love to pray with you up front. 
as we close this last worship moment out, just let God speak to you and enter into that place of intimacy with him. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you today. We acknowledge your goodness. We acknowledge your loving.